Hi guys, it's Gorn and today I will be reading The Body Snatcher by Robert Louis Stevenson. As part of our spooky season, we will be reading a few spooky short stories in the horror sci-fi region. You know, just general classics which I think are amazing. So sit back, relax and I hope you enjoy. Chapter 1 Every night in the year, four of us sat in the small parlour of the George at Debenham, the undertaker and the landlord and Fetz and myself. Sometimes there would be more, but blow high, blow low, come rain or snow or frost, we four would be each planted in his own particular armchair. Fetz was an old drunken Scotchman, a man of education obviously, and a man of some property, since he lived in idleness. He had come to Debenham years ago, while still young, and by a mere continuance of living had grown to be an adopted townsman. His blue camlet cloak was a local antiquity, like the church spire. His place in the parlour at the George, his absence from church, his old, crapulous, disreputable vices, were all things, of course, in Debenham. He had some vague radical opinions and some fleeting infidelities, which he would now and then set forth and emphasise with tottering slaps upon the table. He drank rum, five glasses regularly every evening, and for the greater portion of his nightly visit to the George sat with his glass in his right hand in a state of melancholy, alcoholic saturation. We called him the doctor, for he was supposed to have some special knowledge of medicine, and had been known, upon a pinch, to set a fracture or reduce a dislocation, but beyond these slight particulars, we had no knowledge of his character and antecedents. One dark winter night, it had struck nine, some full time before the landlord joined us, there was a sick man in the George, a great neighbouring proprietor, suddenly struck down with apoplexy on his way to Parliament, and the great man, still greater London doctor, had been telegraphed to his bedside. It was the first time that such a thing had happened in Debenham, for the railway but was newly open, and we were all portionately moved by the occurrence. "'He's come,' said the landlord, after he filled and lighted his pipe. "'He?' said I. "'Who? Not the doctor?' himself replied our host chapter two what is his name dr mcfarlane said the landlord fetz as far through his third tumbler stupidly fuddled now nodding over now staring mazily around him but at the last word he seemed to awaken and repeated the name mcfarlane twice quietly enough the first time but with sudden emotion at the second. "'Yes,' said the landlord. "'That's his name. Dr. Wolf McFarlane.' Fetz became instantly sober. His eyes awoke. His voice became clear, loud and steady, his language forcible and earnest. We were all startled by the transformation, as if a man had risen from the dead. "'I beg your pardon,' he said. I'm afraid I have not been paying much attention to your talk. Who is this Wolf McFarlane? And then, when he heard the landlord out, it cannot be. It cannot be. He added, 
and yet I would like well to see him face to face. Do you know him, doctor? asked the undertaker with a gasp. God forbid, was the reply. And yet, the name is a strange one. It was much too fancy too. Tell me, landlord, is he old? Well, said the host, he's not a young man, to be sure, and his hair is white, but he looks younger than you. He is older, though, years older, but with a slap on the table. It's the rum you see in my face, rum and sin. This man, perhaps, may have an easy conscience and a good digestion. Conscience, hear me speak. You would think I was some old, good, decent Christian, would you not? But no, not I. I've never counted. Voltaire may have counted if he stood in my shoes, but the brains, with a rattling flip on his bald head, the brains were clear and active, and I saw and made no deductions. Chapter 3 If you know this doctor, I ventured to remark, after a somewhat awful pause, I should gather that you do not share the landlord's good opinion. Fetz paid no regard to me. Yes, he said, with some decision. I must see him face to face. There was another pause, and then a door was closed rather sharply on the first floor, and a step was heard upon the stair. That's the doctor, cried the landlord. Look sharp and you can catch him. It was but two steps from the small parlour to the door of the old George Inn. The wide oak staircase landed almost in the street. There was room for a turkey rug and nothing more between the threshold and the last round of the descent. But this little space was very every evening brilliantly lit up, not only by the light upon the stair and the great signal lamp below the sign, but by the warm radiance of the barroom window. The George thus brightly advertised itself to passers-by in the cold street. Fetz walked steadily to the spot, and we, who were hanging behind, beheld the two men meet, as one of them had phrased it, face to face. Dr Macfarlane was alert and vigorous. His white hair set off his pale and placid, although energetic, countenance. He was richly dressed in the finest of broadcloth and whitest of linen, with a great gold watch chain and studs and spectacles of the same precious material. He wore a broad folded tie, white and speckled with lilac, and he carried on his arm a comfortable driving coat of fur. There was no doubt, but he became his years breathing, as he did, of wealth and consideration, and it was a surprising contrast to see our parlour sot, bold, dirty, pimpled, and robed in his old camlet cloak, confront him at the bottom of the stairs. Macfarlane, he said, somewhat loudly, more like a herald than a friend. Part four. The great doctor pulled up short on the fourth step, as though the familiarity of the address surprised and somewhat shocked his dignity. Toddy McFarlane, repeated Fertz. The London man almost staggered. He stared for the swiftest of seconds at the man before him, glanced behind him with a sort of scare, and then in a startled whisper, Fertz, he said, you. Aye, said the other. 
Me? Did you think I was dead too? We are not so easy shut of our acquaintance. Hush, hush, exclaimed the doctor. Hush. This meeting is so unexpected. I can see you are a man. I hardly knew you, I confess at first. But I am overjoyed, overjoyed to have this opportunity. For the present, it must be a how-do-you-do and goodbye in one. For my fly is waiting and I must not fail the train. But you shall... Let me see. Yes, you shall give me your address, and you can count on early news of me. We must do something for you, Fetz. I fear you are out at elbows, but we must see to that for old Lang Syne, as we sang at suppers once. Money, cried Fetz. Money from you. The money that I had from you was lying where I cast it in the rain. Dr. McFarlane had talked himself into some measure of superiority and confidence, but the uncommon energy of this refusal cast him back into his first confusion. A horrible, ugly look came and went across his almost vulnerable countenance. My dear fellow, he said, be it as you please. My last thought is to offend you. I would intrude on none. I will leave you my address. However, I do not wish it. I do not wish to know the roof that shelters you, interrupted the other. I heard your name. I feared it might be you. I wish to know if, after all, there was a god. I know now there is none. Be gone. So that was the end of part one. I know it's we've left on a bit of a cliffhanger, but I promise all will be revealed soon. This has been really cool for me to read and I really hope you enjoy it. Until next time, stay safe, stay cool, and I will see you out there.